Hello. Today we are going over the doctrine of humanity, and it talks about the cultural mandate. And the verse for this is Genesis 1:28, which reads, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so when we go back over to the how that applies to the cultural mandate. The author here says that after God created humanity, he gave them a series of commands. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it and have dominion over living things. This is a call to cultivate the world and exercise dominion is often called the cultural mandate. As God's image bearers, our vocation is to reflect his nature as modeled for us in his work of creating by bringing um, increased order and structure, um, vibrancy and flourishing to the world that's so full of potential. God wants us to be stewards of what he has lovingly given us as a gift and responsibly harness nature's power and innovate for his glory and for the for the good of all creation. Um, he continues on to say that when we read that God rested on the seventh day, we shouldn't take this to mean that creation was entirely finished or no longer in need of development. Rather, he made humans in his image to continue his work and bring creation to God's given uh, to its God's given potential. He says that Albert uh, Walters explains this in his book Creation Regained Biblical Basics for a Reformational Worldview. He says although God has withdrawn from his work of creation, he has put an image of himself on earth with a mandate to continue. The earth has been completely unformed and empty, and in the six-day process of development, God formed it and filled it, but not completely. People must now carry on the work of development. By being fruitful, they must fill it even more. By subduing it, they must form it even more. Mankind, as God's representatives on earth, are to carry on where God left off. But this is now to be a human development on earth. Um, the human race will fill the earth with its own kind and will form the earth for its own kind. From now on, the development of created earth will be societal and cultural in nature. In a single word, the task ahead is civilization. Um, he says that creation is not a static quantity, but rather it is a growing up, an, an unfolding of creation, and that this takes place uh, through the task that people have been given of bringing to fruition the possibilities of development implicit in work of God's hands. This mandate is not reserved for the elites or politicians, entrepreneurs, or so on, but it's for all of us, um, no matter what 
our position is, ethnicity, age, or vocation, we are all called to bring uh, God's work and order and vibrancy to our world uh, that he has placed us in. Um, He says that the cultural mandate gives us our work and whatever task we're doing, incredible significance, since it's it's a meant to be an extension of God's work in creation. Uh, nothing we do is dull or um, you know for nothing or lacks any significance. It all has a purpose, and it all uh, is for the good of creation, and that we're supposed to treat it as such is. Uh, I feel like is what he's saying there. Still, even with that meaning, we tend to uh, have a hard time when we're performing our day-to-day task. I know I definitely have run into the issue where I feel like uh, maybe something I'm, that I'm doing isn't significant or it has no real meaning um, you know, it's inefficient. Uh, what I'm going to be doing is going to be redone anyway, so, you know, why bother type thing. Uh, but that's not a biblical worldview on on that um, on that task. You know, he it's saying that everything is significant. Everything has a purpose. We're supposed to work for it to show that. Um, he says that, some of us see work as a term, uh, torment and a curse, an obstacle to what's really important, whether it be friends, family, hobbies, you name it. Uh, but the Bible says work is good, and the cultural mandate reminds us that this work that we participate in points to something for a greater than ourselves, even if we can't see the bigger picture. Yes, it's tainted uh, because of the fall, and it's incredibly limited, but we are God's image bearers, and we are supposed to work to contribute um, to human flourishing and development of the earth. So he asked, how does your work bring order and flourishing to your company or your community? Uh, how does it contribute to the common good, the well-being of others, and the improvement of the world? He goes on to give an example of a city planner, and this guy talks about how, uh, I believe it says he works in New York City. So, I mean, that's a a pretty big job. It's not like it's a small town or anything, but even then, even if it was a small town, the things he talks about here shows the importance of it. He talks about how he wants to make uh, a good decision, and whenever he's reviewing uh, applications, he gets the final sign-off of whether it's okay to do the project or if the pro- what they're proposing on the project is actually completed and done properly. And he says he wants to make a good contribution so that... Uh, Shalom is done for his community. And he talked about how 
the Hebrew word for shalom is peace, harmony, wholeness, and welfare. So with every project, he looks at it through those eyes of seeing if it's going to bring peace, harmony, wholeness, and welfare for that community, for the humans living there. Um, and he talks about how he viewed it uh, as a, an important position because God was giving him the opportunity to uh, to rule over that and uh, to basically subdue it to to meet God's will in a way. Um, but he talked about how you know it's difficult because every community is has different people, different personalities, different passions. And so not everything fits that bill for that community and how uh, it, he has to kind of research it and, and look at it and, and, and weigh whether or not it works there. But at the same time, you know, our world is not um, perfect because of the fall. So he points out how like wealthier neighbors, neighborhoods uh, had more money, more clout, more favors, so they could uh, get more things done to fit what they were wanting. Whereas for the poor and vulnerable neighborhoods, they didn't really have that option. Um, he talked about how, you know, sometimes he would see um, kind of, I think he described it as like, shady uh back alley deals where it back room dealings he said um that brought harm to these neighborhoods of the uh of the poor and vulnerable um but it helped out those in the richer neighborhoods or it, it helped uh the people proposing the project become wealthier. So he said that, uh, and when things like that happened, they were out of his control. He, uh, like he would do it, he could to stop it, but sometimes things happened and where it would go out of his control and he wouldn't have anything to do with it. And he talked about how one lady uh, at one of the meetings um, I, I forgot what exactly he said the meeting was called, uh, but uh, a lady from that neighborhood came and was getting really on to him, like thought the whole thing was his fault. And he said that she passionately accused me of being the single most destructive uh, force in her neighborhood, the harbinger of gentrification uh, well I think you guys know what I mean uh, and that the developer who will cut down all of her trees and uh, bring down everything she loved in the neighborhood and he you know took some time to calm her down but explained to her that it's a lot more complicated than that and that he's actually trying to save her trees and trying to help her um, and he's looking out for her best interest, but, uh, you know, it's important that people like her come to the meetings to speak up, 
so he has something to to show the the city why he wants to uh, turn down some of these proposals. Um, and and after that, they ended up becoming friendly, and she even hugged him and thanked him for all that he's doing. So uh, it. <laughs> He was talking about how it's difficult to do this job, but it's also important because uh, it, it's looking out for for other people and looking out for God's creation, and that we're supposed to try our best to do to take care of that, even if you know we're not always successful. I liked hearing that because it kind of gave uh, some good examples of. Of practicing this in work, I know when I've always read that verse that God blessed them. He said to them, "Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing that moves on earth." I always viewed it as a physical sense, um, like we're physically supposed to subdue these things to rule over them, and and even in this portion of the book, the author, what he talks about is kind of doing the same thing in the physical sense um, of looking at the proposals to see if what they're doing is actually good for the community. Um, and, you know, doing physical work to... Uh, contribute to the common good, to look out for the well-being of others, to improve the world around us, uh, to bring flourishing to your company or your community, uh, to, you know, point towards God. And why I do agree with that, I think that's all very true. When I was reading it this time, uh, it I kind of had a different uh, glimpse or idea of spiritual aspect of how um, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the um, rulers. Uh, it, it's it's unseen things that we can't see. And, uh, you know, the Bible gives a lot of examples of people praying and those things, those strongholds, those things that were standing against them in the physical got taken away, but it was because people were praying about it. And so it, it made me think about how through prayer, through coming in agreement with God, with what he's wanting um, because yes we have our minds he gave us and we can come up with a lot of great ideas but I'm assuming most Christians when they're looking at different projects different tasks they have for their jobs they're probably also talking to God and praying and saying God what do you want me to do in this situation Holy Spirit show me how I can um, 
do a better job on helping this customer with their finances so that their business will flourish. Or uh, in my instance, since I do lawn care, how can I uh, help out this person uh, with their yard so that it looks better for them and it uh, takes less work or less maintenance for them. It saves them money, allows them to be able to use their money more for your kingdom or have more time to participate in your kingdom. Um, and, or what words can I say or, or encouragement can I offer to, to help with that? And I think whenever we're having those conversations with him, we're talking to him, you know, that that's prayer. And, and he replies back and he's showing us his will and then you know we choose whether or not we're we're going to agree with it and and do those things but when we're praying ahead of time of these projects uh we're able to see what he wants to come in agreement with it and and pray down any strongholds that would try to to block those things from happening um kind of like those backroom deals he was talking about. Uh, you know, through prayer, I think those, a lot of those things could be uh, taken care of or the obstacles removed before it even happens or overturned or, or whatever. Um, so that that was just kind of what I wanted to, to bring to this one. Um, I think everything he talked about was kind of self-explanatory and a lot of us probably have experience with, uh, there's probably times when we're doing a project and we can clearly see something is right or wrong. And we, you know, maybe have chosen to stand up for that and, and fight for what's right. Or maybe, maybe we haven't, maybe we chose to just keep our mouth shut and, let the wrong thing happen, but it was, you know, it kept the peace. And I know the times I've done that, it was always uh, really difficult for me. I you know, had a hard time sleeping after that. Uh, conscience was not clear. And I knew, you know, as the Bible says, if you know the good you ought to do and you do not do it, then you sin. It was like, man, I sinned. I screwed up on this because I knew it wasn't the right thing. But because I was afraid of what my boss might say or I was afraid of offending a coworker or, you know, I, I didn't want to ruffle too many people's feathers and kept my mouth shut, you know, it, it this happened and it's not honoring God, it's not flourishing to, you know, the company I'm working for or whatever. So I, I, I'm sure some of us have been on both sides of the spectrum and you know, those are kind of like extreme moments. But then as he was talking about how, you know, there's the day-to-day -to -day work that people tend to see as like a torment and a curse. Um, I mean, it's easy to do. It's easy to have some days where you just love work, but then there's days where it kind of gets monotonous and you might run into some issues with some people at work and then it gets to where you don't really like it. And that there's kind of cycles and and seasons for each job, um, but I, 
I think whenever we remember the cultural mandate, uh, A, it helps us to remember the significance of it, that it's not unimportant. So it brings value. Uh, it reminds us to bring God into the conversation because we can get busy doing our day-to-day work and not bring him into the conversation. And, it, you know, a couple days could go by, a week, a month, and we're like, oh, you know, it's we remember him when something big happens and we're like, I don't know what to do here. Oh, God, yeah, you're you're there. What, what do you think I should do? Um, and if we were engaging him in all those moments before, then maybe that bad thing, that that kind of moment that we have to make the decision, we're not sure what to do, wouldn't have even come up because we would have been engaging him and uh, coming in agreement with prayer and the spiritual side ahead of time. Uh, so that's kind of what I I got uh, from it, and I hope it helps you all. Hope you're enjoying this. I think it's it's kind of fun to learn about these different uh, doctrines and mandates. So uh, thank you all, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.